0: Let's call the roll and let's get going.
1: Trustee Luginani?
0: I am present.
1: Trustee Banerjee? Here. Trustee Lawrence? Here. We
2: have
0: a quorum. Amazing. Thank you. Okay. Um, Well, welcome to the July 6th Finance Committee meeting. Um, I I would uh, remind everyone that the session is being recorded, so... um, not only for my benefit, so I can hear you, but for posterity, if everyone can speak into the microphone, and I'm going to ask Susanna to um, prod everyone if there if it uh, prod everyone if needed. So um, let's see. Let's talk about the minutes um, and I, I will approval. move it, I will move approval of the minutes. Is there a second? Second? Okay, any discussion? Dave, Dave can you Hearing none, these? I will call a vote. All in favor, aye? Aye. 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 Okay. Anyone opposing this? No. Okay. Done. Um, all right, let's talk about approval items. We have a um, We have two new contracts as opposed to extensions. Now, I note that these were both contracts that had been extended previously, now we're getting two new three-year contracts. So,
1: um... Yeah, and I can make... Uh, walk us through it. And I can make some uh, comments about these. First, um... Athens is the, um... third-party administrator that manages our workers' compensation claims, and we're prepared to, uh, recommend just a renewal of the contract. Um, this is actually one where, um... Jeanette and I have talked about potentially taking this out to bid. Um, I did a program at um, Marin where we considered another company called Alpha, which is um, kind of sponsored currently by the uh, California Association of Healthcare Districts. Good company as well. Um, and we haven't had this out to bid since about 2012 or 2013, something like that. So, uh, but it, it really wasn't um, uh, something that we had time to get done before this renewal. Uh, we do have the ability to um, cancel the contract if we want and take it out to bid, so it's something we may do. Um, the other one is uh, also renewal, a renewal company called VRAD Virtual Radio- Radio- Radiology Nighthawk Services. And what they do is they read um, <clears throat> images in the nighttime when uh, our folks aren't available. And um, the, um, the images have to be read right away for medical reasons. Um, we did negotiate a reduction in the cost of this service. And as we, uh, you may know that we're in the process of bringing um, our existing radiology services in-house from a company called MCARE to Alameda Health Partners. That should happen within well, a week or two here. And uh, when the new chief medical officer gets on board, we'll take a look at the service in total and see if we want to expand it and uh, do that. But this, this is a cost savings.
3: I did want to make a comment, a public comment, and I, I mentioned this to you earlier, David, is um, to thank your staff or you, whomever. Um, putting together the the contract summary, the board summary, was so easy. Last time I was so frustrated, and this time these things were just so clear, so easy to understand. And then... You added the background information so the more curious could get a chance to look at the details. I just thought these looked really good, and so I, I do want to compliment you. Uh, and with that, I will move approval. I second.
0: Um, I, I, well, I wanted to make a couple comments, too. <laughs> um, I, had a, I had a couple of questions. Um, with respect to... Um, um, the um athens dave you said that um you considered putting them out to bid but the timing issues i didn't quite catch uh that that there is an opportunity for us to do that before the three years is up
1: uh yes there there is we have an opportunity to go in and um, provide early notice of cancellation and the thing about this contract it's it's not just the cost of the particular contract it's the what we need to be doing is looking at the results of our entire workers compensation expense which is actually quite mm-hmm. high by industry standards so that's that's something that deserves a look now that we have time to do it um,
0: one question I had one, one thing with respect to workers compensation um, so um, you know that that's that you know we, we, we pay those as a result of um, you know you know worker injuries and I'm wondering, you know, are we, what are we doing in terms of collecting, you know, collecting data and looking for trends and seeing things we can do to prevent
1: um, workplace injuries? Mm. Uh, yeah, we do have a, uh, <clears throat> a workers' compensation manager who gets data from Athens, and, and they review it periodically, but um, uh, what we did in uh, Marin was a little different. We kind of have a broader group that looked at it, and um, um, we had a, you know, different ways of looking at it, and in particular different ways of managing the injuries once they occur. Um, having a, a back-to-work program, which we do have here, is one of the, the primary indicators of a successful program, is getting the injured uh, employee back into the work environment in some kind of work environment uh, based on you know, their capabilities as soon as possible. So I think there's work to be done.
2: So in the analysis okay. that you will be doing with Jeanette, mm-hmm. some of these looking at the trends, mm-hmm. looking at those will be part of that. as
0: Yeah. Well. Mm-hmm. Okay. Thank you. Okay. All right. And and Dave, it's just, it's a little, you, you, you kind of cut in and out, so it's a little hard to hear you, just FYI. Um, for for VRAT, um, so there I'm, I'm, curious uh so the, the the so we can't so we don't have 24 7 coverage in-house is there would there be any would there be an economic or clinical basis to do that to mm. to build a program to build up our capabilities to do that in-house or is this really the right configuration clinically and, and economically
1: mm. um it's it's not currently economically
4: justified to have round-the-clock coverage at, at highland okay yeah, I was. I, um, hi, hi, Jim. Um, I was going to add to that that um, uh, just from my experience, having um, what is called like a nighthawk service uh, is not an uncommon thing in in um, in uh, academic medical centers or uh, safety net organizations with trauma programs. Uh, just uh, it's a it makes for sort of a good. Uh, um, redundancy in terms of, uh, peak demand or urgent needs, uh, uh, but also, mm-hmm. a, um, um, sort of scales it because when you do, uh, pay for the full resource, uh, the, the volume or the efficiency of that resource could be, uh, severely, um, diminished during times where you don't have the volume to sort of justify it. Yeah. And,
0: and I'm not questioning the, the, um, you know, the, the importance of validity of I'm just, you know, want to make sure that you're asking the questions about, you know, it Does it make sense to bring it in or keep it out um, Also with respect uh, you know with and that, not, I'm not, not, I'm not picking on v red it's just it raised a few questions in my mind in general um, with kind of a uh, how do you how do you make sure that we're when we do a contract renewal because a lot of our services a lot of the services that we contract out are you know, seem fairly you know fairly sticky it would be very difficult to and disruptive to change from one supplier to another. Um, uh, so, how do you make how do you make sure that um, we still get best value? Um, you know, when the when the other when the other party knows it would be very difficult to be dislodged. Right. And again, I'm not picking on Vrad specifically. Mm-hmm. This is more of a generic question around contracting.
1: Right. We talk to the user to make sure they're happy with the service being provided. And uh, we have um, staff who have experience with uh, these contracts in other locations, so we have a general idea what the market for these services are. And in this particular case, we felt like it was overpriced. We went back and talked to them and negotiated a a discount of about uh, $100,000 annually. And um, if we weren't happy with that, we could put it out to bid. Okay.
0: And, and I think you're going to have, we're going to have a presentation from Ira at some point in the, maybe in the early, late summer, early fall, right?
1: Uh, that's correct, yeah.
0: So that would be, that that might be a, a good topic for him to hit on um, more formally. I'll, I'll make sure that I include that. Along with whatever, you know, <clears throat> along <throat> with all the other things he's going to be talking about. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Um, any other discussion? Questions from trustees?
2: No, not from me.
0: All right. Okay. All in favor, aye. 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 Any opposed? Abstentions? Okay. Susanna, that's a unanimous. Okay. Um, so, Dave, next.
1: Okay. Jim, do you have the um, presentation that I'm going to give?
0: Or can we um i just received a um a powerpoint of some number of pages but i just received a 10-page powerpoint that that's me
1: okay so is that it that's it so let me kick it off okay. so um to give you the uh financial and this uh, i'm looking i'm looking i'm not there it is okay uh, the, actually, the first thing on the agenda is the, um, uh, something called reporting reliability. And that is, doesn't say what page, but if you flip through, that's where I want to start. <clears throat> okay. Um, and I've got it up on the screen here. So the, um, the issue we previously reported on was um, uh, where we couldn't reconcile the general ledger to Sorian Financials. We've, we believe we've made excellent progress on that. We actually did get it reconciled. And we've, um, uh, our team, IT team, has been working with Cerner to fix the internal logic that would allow us to, pro- to produce a good report, and that actually was done last week. And there was an additional script that needed to be tested on Thursday, June 30th, um, and we were prepared to do that. However, at that time, we had a, a completely different issue arise, which was a failure of the Lawson server uh, and the entire system went down. And it's been down over the weekend, in fact, just came up today at noon. Um, that uh, originated from, we have, we have a company called Velocity that hosts the general ledger. I mean, hosting means they, have, they maintain the servers to operate it. Uh, apparently what happened was they suffered a f- power failure, primary power failure, the backup system then failed, and then um, it was kind of a cascaded disaster since then and um, <clears throat> uh, the other thing that apparently failed was um, the, um, the backing up of the data systems so we had a mad scramble over the weekend to make sure that no data was actually lost our teams, our IT team and finance was actually in over the weekend verifying that nothing had been lost and they were scrambling and um, uh, did successfully recover everything and bring the system up back to day so we're back live Uh, everything's working, Uh, I believe the systems are balanced out. Um, However, it now raises a new question, which is what's the reliability of our disaster recovery system and and the reliability of that particular vendor. So there'll be a um, sort of a a root cause analysis and debrief over the next week or so to evaluate that situation. Okay. Uh,
3: David, you know, the, the thing that concerns me is that The the issue of the disaster recovery is about a two-year-old issue, Mm -hmm. and I do remember the auditor pulling it out as one of the concerns and us doing a kind of a check, and there were assurances that came through that everything was copacetic. And so having Mm -hmm. this come to light, how does one reconcile the idea that this was supposed to have been taken care of, and is now we find ourselves in this jam. What?
1: Uh, it's troubling. <clears throat> it's troubling. Cause this is this is a never event. This is something that, you know, supposedly it could never happen. In fact, we were paying a vendor who we believed to be competent to ensure that it could never happen, and then it did happen. And we can come up with excuses, but it it raises a lot of questions that we have to ask now.
3: Uh, okay, so I I suppose that you're digging... Uh, I, I guess I'm concerned in the sense that when one says, you know, we all have issues, and so you say, this is an issue, we're still working on it, you know, you can kind of say, okay. But when you're assured that this has been done, and then this mm-hmm. occurs, it gives one pause about the validity of either whomever is in charge of this thing, or the vendor, or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. okay, I just want to...
4: Well, just to have it
3: on the record here that this is not a new issue and mm-hmm. one that I don't think any organization can afford to, whether it's a hospital like us mm-hmm. with a huge amount of data or, mm-hmm. you know, a small company, that this is serious stuff. We,
4: we agree with you. Uh, I did not know about the, the, uh, the legacy uh, of, of the issue, but just in real time, that in and of itself is quite concerning uh, to all of us. Um, want to underscore what uh, what David said. Um, uh, The IT team and uh, and the finance team worked diligently when this happened over the weekend with the vendor um, to get this back up and going, but really did underscore to the vendor that the fact that we were having a hard time getting this back up after the uh, blip uh, was rather concerning to us. But in the immediate time, actually, obviously, the first part is get the system back up, make sure we didn't lose any data. Um, and once we did that, which effectively uh, uh, has returned to, let's say, normal, if you will, as of noon today, uh, then the next step is the post-mortem. How did this happen? Uh, what, what went wrong? As David said, we Pay the vendor to make sure that the backup works and that we don't suffer, you know, prolonged um, sure. um, uh, sort of losses of, of uh, system functionality. And now we need to figure out: mm-hmm. uh, do they actually have the ability to do that, uh, as they have uh, presented, uh, or do we need to, as an organization, take a different tack, uh, including actually uh, understanding what the impact to us from a time and uh, resource perspective is. Right. Been. Because there were a lot of people, as I said, working entirely over the holiday weekend on a day-to-day basis to uh, help to get this thing back up and going. As soon so, as
3: so what is the what is a typical retribution to to the vendor velocity? I mean, uh, are they on the hook to pay for our overtime and for the man hours that we can charge back to this vendor? I mean, it, it, it seems to me that they they should not be off scot-free right
4: so I think it runs a gamut as you as you know with uh, uh, Cerner on the other end we uh, employed a a similar approach where we withheld uh, payments for the type of services that they were supposed to be providing to us that hadn't been reliably provided until such time that that is that is done so that was a way of uh, having some financial skin in the game Uh, with velocity I think uh, uh, we we will uh, take a, a similar tactic but what the actual uh, repercussions would be our, our to be determined, but you should know that we this isn't a just oh we're sorry type of thing. Uh, we will we will uh, figure out the sort of the impact and and what we feel is appropriate. Uh, 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 retribution for that, but then even beyond that, you know, do we have uh, the degree of confidence that we need as an organization for a vendor who has to provide this to us uh, and whether this particular vendor can do that for us. And,
3: and do we know what other organizations that this vendor supports? I mean, were we the lone, were we the loan mm-hmm. or is there...
1: Um, it apparently took down about 12 other clients. We don't know who they are or where they are. They could be across the country. Uh-huh. Yeah, But it was quite, they're, it was they're quite large, serious. These, I mean, they're a well-known organization. Yeah, mm-hmm. It wasn't just the general ledger. It was uh, accounts payable and yeah, payroll. Yeah,
3: I mean, exactly. Right. And, and,
1: and then luckily it happened just after we had done payroll or we'd have been cutting manual checks. In fact, we were working on downtime procedures about how we could pay vendors this week. I'd, right. I'd be sitting there. Signing checks by hand, mm-hmm. you know, if this hadn't mm-hmm. got fixed.
2: Mm-hmm. I mean, it's bad enough that the uh, that the backup system didn't also failed, but worse that they didn't even have procedures. If the backup system failed, then what yeah. do they do? They didn't. They didn't seem to be like have the capacity to have done that. So yeah,
4: yeah. yeah. It's, it's troubling. We do know that this was this obviously uh, rose to the highest levels of that organization, and uh, including actually, I wasn't a part of it, but David and others mm-hmm. involved in a conversation with the CEO yeah, of the organization so, and their yeah, highest level executives. Yeah. And we know that they were working on it, which is even more concerning that that every it was it it really did appear to be all hands on deck, and it still took as long as it did yeah, to. He, to get he, he said, "You know, this is this is my company, and this is the
1: worst week of my life." Because <laughs> you know, this, you know, I mean, it, it, you, you can talk about you know damages and recovery. But the point is, we're paying them so that this can never happen. It cannot fail. You know, and it did.
3: Yeah, y- yeah, you know, I, uh, there's a, there's a degree of of sympathy, and I I do understand that yeah. that notion. But on the other hand, y- you also I I do think that they have to pony up and and not only deliver and correct the problem but make the retribution of the compensation that we have experienced so I just don't think these guys go off scot-free so okay enough thank
0: we'll you consider yeah that. and I, I would just uh, in, in the spirit of piling on I would agree <laughs> and I, I mean I think it's one thing I mean everyone has you know their failures but when you you know but when your backup fails as well that's um, you know, you start to say, "Wait a minute, what what what's going on here?" Um, so, okay, all right.
2: So, uh, one, one last question. You know, Go ahead.
0: so so there, as they say.
2: So are we uh, now that today is when it all came back up again, so now the testing of the script errors and all of those other things can slowly re-begin while the post Yeah, they, they
1: will. And I haven't got a report, but I, I, I have a high confidence level, but it will work. Okay. So that'll be done.
3: Yeah. I, I would like, if if it's all right with Mark Chair, um, a report back on what ret- – what compensation Velocity did, or what kind of reconciliation, you know, I, I seriously don't think they ought to be off the hook.
4: We Agreed. agree with you, and we we will gladly provide that. Okay, you. thank you. Awesome.
0: Um, the, the, the chair will indulge you, Trustee Lawrence. Right. Thank you so much. All
1: right, now I'm, I'm back to the uh, beginning of the presentation. So, um, <clears throat> oh, and, and Jim, we have a new new technology. We have new microphones. So they're cordless. So if we're experiencing some difficulty, we're all trying to adjust to the the, the new mics. Um, Okay, so we're back to the end of the presentation. Uh, This is the financial summary. Um, So the uh, reports you have are through 11 months, even though we're we're now in July, so we actually have um, uh, completed the year. um, Partially due to the problem we just talked about, we haven't actually got financial statements yet. Um, But uh, so reporting on 11 months, uh, we did have very strong performance in the month of May. And for year to date, we're actually quite close to the budget with an even margin of about 4.4%. A uh, um, little bit below budget, but in total, since revenue was higher, we're actually pretty close to the uh, operating income target. Uh, the revenues have been above budget by about 2.9%. Expenses are above budget as well. A lot of that is volume-related. Um, in general, volumes across the system have been um, quite strong, and uh, then the cash collections have been really very very positive, so we um, had collected one hundred five percent of net revenue um, that 's a that 's a key ratio that people ask about, but it's it 's a very common ratio that um, any organization will track, and the auditors will look at it in particular, which is important um, from from my standpoint, so we have good audit and uh, uh, we we have been successful at significantly reducing the days in accounts receivable during the year, down to about sixty six. Mm-hmm. Um, that's actually respectable. Mm-hmm. You know, that's it's not <laughs> Best in class, but it's, it's actually real. quite 120s quite respectable. One twenties and nineties.
2: Yes. Yeah.
3: Last. Yeah.
1: Last. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. Um, the uh, permanent agreement. Obviously, we're in compliance. Um, and by our calculation, uh, we were at one hundred and three. Uh, we just got the um, county auditor's calculation. He has us at 101.3, so a little bit below that. Uh, he gave us credit for some deposits that we didn't count ourselves. Um, D-
3: David, I've lost track. It went from it, it, <clears throat> from what? I can't remember what we were when we at the uh, beginning of the year.
1: Um, we started the year at 137, okay. and the limit was 150 and then the limit went down from 150 to 145 and the actual amount outstanding went down from 137 to 101. It was the
3: 145 that I had in my head, so... Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah.
1: And realize the year before that, I think we we're at like 195. So we've really, really come down over the last two years. Okay. Um, budget, of course, is complete. Um, we have a 5% margin. We are now... Um, working on implementation of that, particularly since there's a lot of people who have uh, requested new positions that we haven't yet addressed. We're looking at the uh, the review process to do that. Um, I'm obviously trying to include the uh, Chief Operating Officer in that process, and um, <clears throat> Jody just mentioned that she's completed the draft of the new variance review process, so I hope to take that into the Management Committee next week and eventually we'll probably revise that process during the month of July so that we can start addressing all those um, all those needs, but we have believe we've addressed the key issues of funding magnet and lean and a few other things. So, uh,
3: are there any major changes here since the board approved it <coughs> in June?
1: None, no changes at okay. all. Okay.
2: Dave, I have one question. Yeah. So, uh, you know, when we see the financial summary and in terms of expenses, it's usually the purchase services and the pharmaceuticals that are like the big. I items that you mm-hmm. see are always a little, so mm-hmm. when uh, given the new budget and things, when will we see some mitigated effects of you know these expenses that don't always rear their heads as you know this is the reason why mm-hmm.
1: yeah, so the the new budget is really sort of based on <clears throat> current actual expenditures, so I would expect that we'd be a lot closer when you start getting reports for the new budget yeah.
3: Okay. Uh, would you talk a little bit about registry? I know it's on the next page, but mm-hmm.
1: um. yeah. Um, <clears throat> so that's been an issue. So, and what typically happens is we, you know, we budget to uh, have full time positions, uh, but then they don't get filled for whatever reason. So uh, the staff yes. makes it up by hiring registries. That's kind of a
4: a typical trend that I I might expect to see continue. Um, Good. Can I? I just want to ask a clarification question for uh, Trustee Bandage's question. So. Um, August is it was recess for the board so uh, this month obviously in July or yeah July we're reporting on June uh, August we would be reporting mm-hmm. on July which would be the end mm-hmm. of last fiscal year uh, but uh, when we meet again in September uh, we'll be uh, reporting since we don't have a meeting in July I don't believe or August, or August. I don't believe we'll be reporting on fiscal close uh, which will be basically the end of this this last fiscal year and then you'll have the first report of mm-hmm. this current fiscal year. So that's the point where, yeah. if you look at those areas like purchase services and uh, pharmaceuticals, where you'll see, uh, hopefully, a, a closer proxi- mm-hmm. uh, approximation to the budget, budget. relative to the actuals. Okay. Yeah. Okay. At least as, that year, as the year uh, right. gets okay. in the books. Okay. Thank you. So, and of course, <clears throat> even though
1: we're not meeting, we'll go ahead and send the statements out to you when we get them anyway. Mm-hmm. So that you're, you're up to speed when we get back. Um, Okay, so uh, maybe just talk about some big trends for the year. Um, <clears throat> the um, Starting from the top down, uh, <clears throat> we're currently um, about 2.3% below the net revenue that we expected, that patient revenue, but that was still up over 10% from the prior year. So we were pretty aggressive on that patient revenue. Um, <clears throat> on the other hand, our supplemental revenues were way over budget. Uh, they are over by... 36 million, so about 15 percent. And we were, you know, we sort of knew we were go- we were conservative going in, uh, but we've had good development on the medical waiver, disrupt a variety of things have contributed to that, and uh, those are of course reflected in the budget. Um, <clears throat> on operating expenses overall, even though we're above budget, there's some pretty good trends there. In particular, I'd point out that our compensation ratio, which is way at the bottom, is down here. Uh, is, I think, 65%. The budget was almost 67, and last year we are up around 69%. So we've really seen a big improvement, and that shows up here on the paid FTEs, where it went from last year at 39.54, we're at 39.57, but that's on higher volume. So what you're seeing is on the worked hours per adjusted patient day, 14.36 is actually below budget, and that includes registry. Uh, and it's down from 15.89. So that's a big, big improvement from you know, over just one
3: year of a time. What, what do you hope to see in, in the collection ratio? I mean, do, do, is, am I reading that that says we're only really collecting a third of what is due mm-hmm. us?
1: That's correct. And that's um, actually above budget for the year. So that's common in healthcare care that, that that ratio would be as low as it is. It's common. It's very, very common. And that, that developed... Started in the 90s, when um, uh, it's called cost shifting, where um, hospitals started getting paid less and less by Medicare and Medi-Cal, so they kept raising their rates to the commercial insurance plans, and that created a disparity between how much uh, a commercial plan paid us versus Medi-Cal. Okay, so you typically it paid maybe 40 to 45 percent of charges from commercial plans, and maybe 15 or 20. From MediCal, we do much better than that because of our status, but um, but the, but it it was common. So when I started in healthcare, we would collect, believe it or not, ninety percent of charges, and then uh, it kept going down and down and down, and then it just went
3: crazy. Well, David, it, you know, I wasn't, I, I certainly yeah. didn't take economics, but yeah. um, I'm trying to understand the profit margin of in, insurance companies. Yes, and the. And if we're only collecting this amount because of these these mm-hmm. delays in, and mm-hmm. or changes, what did you call it? The um, cost shifting.
1: Cost shifting, yeah. Um,
3: and, and their profits are are significant.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Is that because they're holding the money and not sending it out?
1: that's a, that's a really good question. So insurance companies are making money because. Um, their revenue is the number of people they enroll times the premium that they pay. And both of those numbers are going up. Okay, more people have insurance, and insurance companies by and large can raise their rates five to ten percent a year. okay Their expenses are a function of utilization, which is primarily how many people are in patient beds and other ancillary Mm -hmm. services times the amount that they have to pay the provider of those services. So those two things, so utilization in their case is actually going down. So you're seeing fewer and fewer admissions into the hospital per 1,000 people who have insurance. Which
3: means people aren't filing claims. No, they are doing preventive
2: probably, so.
3: Okay, but they're still paying? the high insurance premium, and they still have a lot of people in there.
1: Yes. So the okay. revenue is going up. Their expenses are, even, are actually going down because yes. utilization, because is, going utilization
3: down. is going down. because <clears> utilization <throat> is
1: going down. And the amount that they're paying for each of those claims is going up by 2 to 3% a year. So in, in essence, their revenue is going up. Their expenses are flat down. <clears throat> if you're a typical community hospital... Or even a big hospital like UCSF. That's sort of inverted because in our case, our revenue is people who come into the hospital. So our revenue is is their utilization. I said right. utilization is going right, down. Right, right, so right. That's our revenue. So that's flat to down, but our expenses keep generally keep going up because. But
3: and, and it's only our revenue if we're collecting it all.
1: Correct. Yeah.
3: And at thirty percent. That wow. It's
1: sort of a different issue. Um,
3: I need to marry an insurance <clears> broker.
1: Yeah. Insurance yeah. companies have done really, just, really well. That's <laughs>
3: where the money... Yeah. <clears throat> this is I'm actually sorry. something... <laughs> I, I throw sorry. nonsense. <laughs> I, I, I no, I'm sorry. My brain... I apologize. It's just so inappropriate. I, <laughs> forgive me, great. public. It's Thank so you for getting some levity so into
4: uh, it.
3: Sorry, David.
0: That's but, okay. but, 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 but But, Michelle, the insurance business is kind of... Kind of like the movie business, where everyone gets rich, but seems no one ever makes any money. (laughs) Yes. Okay. (laughs) Right. Everyone. Right. I mean, sorry, we have to raise your rates by a lot because we're stone broke. Yeah. Really. Anyway.
1: Yeah. It's 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 an interesting dynamic, and it's important really when we get into uh, when we get into thinking about our our strategic plan and particularly how we're going to make it work. When the waiver money goes away, yeah, a big part of that is changing our revenue model from one that's current model to one that looks more like an insurance company and, uh, i can I can demonstrate that to you at some point, but probably <laughs> not <laughs> more important. Tonight, Thank you
3: I... for taking the time.
2: so oh, there's sure. some legislative thing about this happening right now at the state level no? am I for <clears cost? throat> that that yeah. cost shifting thing, maybe am I. Nothing.
1: No, maybe
2: no. some
1: other state. I, no. I, okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. Thank um, you. Okay, so now uh, Jim, we're shifting over to the heat map, and we have a lot of oh,
0: green. Wait, wait. wait. Yeah. Um, if I could ask, if I had ask a question, um, and actually could, could hit it through heat map too. But is there anything you're seeing in, you know, the actuals now that gives you either encouragement about 2017 or you know, reinforces, you know, our, our 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 plan for 2017 or it gives you some pause and concern? Because it's um, been a few months since you kind of started the whole budget process, but sometimes as yeah. the year comes to an end, yeah. you start to see it. You start to see the, the next year better. I'm just yeah. curious if yeah. Um, yeah. you have any observations.
1: Well, I mean, I'm kind of a, you know, professional worrier anyway, but... Um, I'm at, I'm in, the thing that encourages me is that the numbers are stable, you know. So they're they're reliable. I'm not seeing big surprises. We do we do have a couple of things on here. The uh, this comment about losing this meaningful use money at um, Alameda Hospital was uh, was painful, and the um, the, the pharmaceutical audit 340B was sort of painful. Um, you know, but I think the encouraging thing is that even with those hits, we're still doing pretty well, and the numbers are stable. The cash flow is good. the um, <clears throat> The controls over um, FTEs seem to be effective. Uh, very good performance there. And and really, when you talk to people, um, the attitude is is really good. It's becoming a very positive. You know, um, people are people are fiscally fiscally responsible. And you know, asking about asking good questions uh, and wanting to save mm-hmm. money, and that that's a really good development for the organization. That, so, from my standpoint, that's very encouraging.
0: Yeah, that's that, that's very encouraging. That's great. And if you have a, the numbers are stable, then you know it, it's a lot easier to think about you know ways to further improve and develop. So that's yeah. great.
3: And having been on the board for seeing the four-year, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I can tell you that the swings that we used to get hit between the eyes a whole lot. And uh, before you came and even mm-hmm. after, just mm-hmm. these these surprises that would come yeah. like crazy. And yeah. it, there's just so much less of that. It's mm-hmm. It's really much nicer. I mean, you can actually sense the stability that the organization is encountering. When do you go back to the county at, and give another financial report?
1: Um, I know they're meeting next week, but I, I, do they want us there next week? Monday. No. Right? no. Okay, I'm seeing no. Okay. August. Yeah, okay. August. August. Okay. August. okay.
3: Thank August. you. Yeah.
1: Uh-huh. Um Okay. So, yeah, I, th- I think the other encouraging thing is, is like, you know, we're no longer bailing out the boat <laughs> yeah. to stay yeah. afloat. We're now, okay, it's, you know, we can now look ahead to the horizon and point the boat in the right direction. And, you know, sure. so we're thinking more strategically now, which is yeah. good. It's, it's, it's more fun. All right. Um, cover the heat map now. Uh, a lot more green. So, um, y- you know, really the... It was encouraging. If you look on the top right, where we are volume indicators, and these are variances, so they're all positive. You know, mm-hmm. census one point eight percent positive, discharges, visits three point four, gross revenue, outpatient revenue, all positive. That's very encouraging because we're hitting our volume numbers. I don't know if you can remember a year ago when we put that out there, and people said, "Well, you know, it's 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 challenging. Can you really do that?" And we actually exceeded uh what we thought not in every area but um we did and uh i would say that um even now there is unmet demand you know particularly if you look at the one red area up on the top is ambulatory Mm -hmm. you know that that is still the big opportunity for us because that drives everything else and um you know we are we are looking at how to how to improve that um uh, other areas like uh, Alameda, where as you know we 're having this contract issue with um, a few plans, even with that, <clears throat> the overall volumes are actually okay they hitting a certain you know, few areas that are you know painful for the people involved, but in total um, that that hospital now has a future um, I think you know many of you know a year or two ago we we're saying well gee can, can San Leandro survive Can Alameda survive why are we, why are we being there well now they're, they're both solidly, you know, in the black and, and, you know, contributing vital parts of the system here. So that's a, that's a big accomplishment over the last year. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, certainly the revenue yield has been really good across the system. Uh, expenses, you know, a little over, but on a volume-adjusted basis, quite good. If you look at... I'm pointing at... Um, I'm looking right here. So in total, we're 3% over budget, but when you adjust for volume... It's all positive. So that's really good. It's really good. And then the overall performance, of course, is pretty close. So, uh, looking good. so we have some work to do, but, um, you know, we've, we've made some uh, major improvements last year.
2: And, and like last year, again, pinning a lot of hope on the ambulatory, like getting the volumes up in that. So that redesign will have to be very carefully
4: mm-hmm.
3: designed and monitored. Yeah. Do we know yet what the wait times are over in in an ambulatory sim
4: we do uh, obviously they they vary by site and they vary by the type of service meaning um whether it's a primary care uh clinic or a specialty clinic um, i mean
3: we were seeing the trends on that and I just wondered what what they look like or well, that third available seen, yeah.
4: there? the yeah. third next available appointment uh so we 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 did two different things uh one uh, um uh as a um as a collaborative uh, with the CHCN for ambulatory access, so we've created these sort of uh, color-coded charts for all the different specialties that show um, sort of red, yellow, green uh, in terms of availability uh, within the next 30 days, within the next 60 days and beyond. Um, And we're seeing a lot more in green, which means that a lot more clinics have availability within the next 30 days still not ideal you want it to be down to sort of single digit days Mm -hmm. but but an improvement from where we are uh one of the things that uh, has evolved recently with the third next available appointments is that uh we did a little bit more sleuthing and figured out that the uh, one of the um, um, sort of practices that we were doing for third next available appointment wasn't quite uh uh, standard of, of, of practice for these things, and that is, um, we were doing third and next available appointment by days versus by appointment slots. So, third and next available appointment in some cases looked like it was, you know, 31 days out if you count it. You know, when the clinic appointments were out, in some cases though, if you went in any one day, you could count three different appointments and say, no, that third next available is actually within a day or it's, it, it's at day six. It's not, mm-hmm. you know, you don't count just one one slot in one day as, as the availability. Mm-hmm. So that has improved uh, some of our um, uh, numbers on availability, but, but still uh, actually just as late as uh, this morning, I was having some exchanges with our analysts who does that work to figure out that uh, there's some more nuances within uh, where we have the availability. But when you look across the board, there's another column that we have that are uh, referrals that are pending review from the provider. So those numbers sort of get outside of the queue because they're in the the next stage of the process. And then uh, one more step is once the provider has approved it, now it's awaiting scheduling. So now we're reaching out to the patient to say, you're approved to see a provider. Or you know it's to, um, uh, we want to make this appointment, and that takes some time sometimes it's the staff and workload, sometimes it's the patient and the responsiveness so so those get, fall outside of the queue too so when you look at this uh, number, it can be somewhat artificial as a new person coming into the queue, whether you are new. Or returning patient because there are other people who might fill in those slots um, depending on how, mm. big, how quickly you mm-hmm. get through. So, so still a lot of opportunity and I think um, uh, the other thing is uh, some of these numbers are not depressed by that opportunity because the demand is great. It's the capacity of the providers and you know we have had some great success in recruiting <laughs> providers but the um, the net balance of those who've left us in the ambulatory setting has, has sometimes uh, diminished the positive impact of the people we've been able to recruit. So, so trying to stabilize there, get the ac- or get the capacity up to be able to meet the access uh, better, and that's a uh, really good uh, or a really important um, uh, lever for us. Being able to see people under our current financial right. model, but also as we switch to or or gradually convert to being a population health manager.
3: Well, I, I would like to have you think about and you know I, I don't want you to respond to one person's request, but to give some thought. You know, we used to see because of one of our pillars it is the number of the access. You know, the, yeah. The, and it would really be nice to see that. And I yeah. think sometimes keeping the red things that a board can press a little bit um, helps the organization know that we're monitoring those things and and that is a priority for us. So um, you might think about that at some point of how the board can assist you in in monitoring those things that would in fact help this, this particular issue.
4: Yeah, I, I agree. We will. Um, uh, you know, this year uh, uh, we didn't get as far as fast as I would have liked to in terms of creating the uh, leadership for that area, uh, we're, we're just about done with a, uh, a job description for the uh, leader uh, as we convert to uh, dedicated leadership for that, uh, uh, a clinical leader and then an administrative leader. Um, and I suspect in the first quarter, in fact, when we talk about the strategic plan when we we'll come to you next month, uh, you'll see that there's a goal to stabilize that leadership understand those metrics and start working towards it over the course of the next year that's or so. Great. We'll bring that to you.
3: And, and I, I want to compliment you also in bringing in lean because I think lean also helps the examination of those processes that shortcut some of that you got uh, it. stuff that backlog, isn't as efficient, and, right, the right. backlog. So uh, I think that's a great approach. Great. Thank you.
4: Thank you.
0: Okay. And, Michelle, um, I, I'll... Um I'll, I'll I'll make sure that you're not the only trustee asking for that. I, I think that's a great idea in fact. Um, I think Dave is going to touch on you know sort of uh, you know tracking to the budget and perhaps some non-financial purely financial metrics because yeah. I mean the budget really was more of an op, you know, was more of an operating plan. I mean there was a lot of non-financial assumptions in the operating in the budget that um, I think we can track. Right, right. You know the things you talked about. um, One of the things I'm curious about is this nebulous but very important concept of culture of accountability, and how do you, Mm -hmm. you know, how do you know you're getting there? Because that's real. That's so important, and it's something that management has talked about many times. So,
2: um, I'm with you. Yeah, and also a couple of the things that were mentioned either in the May or June meeting about the e-consult opportunities mm-hmm. or Rubicon with CHC, and you mm-hmm. mentioned those partnerships. So those might again help to, uh, you know, uh, get those days waiting or you know next right. appointment if we if we are investing more and in or, or you know focusing on those. So just knowing how those things are going yep. with the partnerships.
4: Great points. <laughs>
0: The the one request I would have, which goes in the other direction, is we can easily end up with this extremely long, um, you know, tracking mechanism that is comprehensive but uh, too hard for any, too hard for anyone to use. So there's, I think it's finding the right balance will be probably the biggest challenge.
4: Yeah, I appreciate you saying that, Jim. We, you know, what we're working on as we uh, round out and complete the package for the strategic plan is uh, what are some of the metrics that um, uh, we think would be sort of the highest level indicators of how something is performing in each of the mm-hmm. business units. And beneath that, mm-hmm. uh, there will be you know more granularity. But we're, we're trying to make sure that as we look across the entire enterprise, that we have at least um, uh, the right. You know, two or three indicators in each business unit, which corresponds to the you know the sort of the level of care, uh, continuum of care, I should say, uh, that would suggest to you, you know, um, maybe this one I want to look into a little bit uh, more deeply or a deeper dive. Um, uh, Where's the other yeah. are comfortable with mm-hmm. you know what I'm seeing now as an indicator? So
0: it, it, yeah, I mean, it could be easy, and I think I, I think my my guess is it'll be something that. Um, uh, develops over time because, you know, I mean, everyone's going to legitimately have, you know, you know, probably a different view of what's really, really important. Um, so I think it's going to take a while to, uh, you know, land on something that, you know, is, you know, useful and digestible and, you know, and everything to all. So We'll get there. I think it requires patience. Understood.
1: Um, moving to the next slide. Um, <clears throat> so this is um, showing where we ended up with our net negative balance for the year, uh, 103 by our count, 101 by theirs. More importantly, the forecast for next year, which is showing that we have um, significant availability throughout the year and no no point in the year when we're really bumping up against the limit. So we're happy to see that. That and, and then of course we've got a lot of um, Detailed capital planning to do now that we're completing the strategic planning process. We've got some big projects to look at financing, including the John George issue and uh, the rehab and relocation as well as Alameda hospital issues. So we'll be um, doing more work on that over the next couple of months. Um, okay, talked about that. Um, now, here's the, um, the new budget structure. Um, <clears throat> so one of the things we've done is... Um, as we completed the budget, we've been reformatting uh, everything into new business units. Um, you might, And so if you look at the, the headings up here on the top, you'll see that these are different than what you're used to seeing. Um, prior to this, it was very location specific. Now it's more business units. So we have population health, and currently not a lot of revenue here, but that'll, that'll probably change as we do things. Uh, professional clinical services, ambulatory. Acute care is lumped all together. Behavioral health is separate. Post-acute care, you've never really seen broken out before. And then uh, system support services, so a little bit different. And it's useful to look at the expenses here to get an idea of you know, how much activity is occurring in each of these areas. So uh, professional services, $109 million. Ambulatory 80, acute care 406, 56 in behavioral, and 70 in post-acute care. So post-acute care is actually a pretty big uh, business unit. It's actually bigger than um, uh, behavioral health, and we actually don't really think of it, think of it that way, but it actually is. Uh, and then support services 170. Okay? So we're, we're currently refining this. We're having to allocate things like contractual allowances, Um, professional services, supplementals, things like that. And the the other thing is we have the ability to to still go into acute care, look at the individual campuses, but we also are going to have the ability, for example, in post-acute care, to look at each of the skilled nursing facilities and in professional to look at each of the services, you know, ortho, general surgery, trauma, whatever. And that's going to give us greater accountability. Uh, and, and a better ability to sit down with the chairs of those departments and, and involve our chief medical officer and have an intelligent dialogue about you know what's going on in those departments and what we need to do and which direction they should be going in the future. So we're very excited about this.
2: Okay. This is terrific.
3: So when you, when you present, and I appreciate I, I think you've mm-hmm. been talking about doing this for a bit. When you present... Um, the report to the board on what, what is it that we will we will likely to see, and mm-hmm. i suppose i 'm curious under what programs or areas are under each of these categories uh, as an example mm-hmm. what under behavioral health mm-hmm. what is under behavioral health what i mean obviously john George but yeah. what what specifically.
1: Right. And I think what we should do is, um, <clears throat> when we roll this out, the actual report, we should come back and give you a tutorial on that. But in this case, behavioral health is very similar to the current operations of John George. Uh, the, the big changes are post-acute and uh, professional.
3: hmm And acute.
1: Okay. And, and acute, yeah. Yeah, acute's uh, moved together.
3: Yeah. And, and maybe this is worthy and you know just as a suggestion worthy of one of those education sessions yeah. that we have mm-hmm. yeah. is to really go through not necessarily the numbers but how it is constructed right. so the concept of what you're doing and how it's flowing through yeah. can make more sense to to the board as, as we get
4: so so we uh, david and his team worked on this in anticipation of, yeah, uh, of of the board actually endorsing the strategic plan when it comes through. obviously that hasn't happened yet that'll happen next month but when we bring it uh uh to you next month you will see um, you'll get a little bit of a deeper appreciation for what's in each uh, strategic business unit. But just as a sort of a clear example, uh, for example, acute care, right now, as he said, you you see reports that just the ones he just did just a minute ago where he says Highland, Vermont, John George, San Leandro, Alameda. In Alameda, you have basically, um, well, I think you have the ambulatory piece too. So you have three different uh, um, parts of uh, care delivery you have the, a little ambulatory you have mostly acute and and a lot of post-acute as well or maybe even the reverse because the post-acute is so large uh, when you see Fairmont you're looking at um, uh, two different types of post-acute uh, uh, so so what you would see is uh, and, and then of course everything else is broken out so when you see uh, acute care now you know that that's any inpatient stuff at Highland. Alameda or San Leandro all in one bucket. Uh, And when you see ambulatory, you know that's all the wellness centers and all the professional and clinical stuff is, is uh, meaning the physician uh, and and provider delivery costs are actually all pulled and and revenue are all pulled into uh, one particular line so that we can manage it more closely in the manner in which you just described. But you'll have more detail there and then we could probably then, as necessary, complement it with a little bit more Um, uh, Detail from a finance perspective of of what's underlying all of that. Yeah,
3: that would be helpful. You know what I can't answer now when people ask me, well, tell me about, you know, what does this hospital offer? What does this hospital offer? What programs? Mm -hmm. I can't answer that now. Okay. Um, Mm -hmm. And uh, Mm -hmm. it would be really helpful to know what specific things, and not that this would change in any way, but when you said acute care, for example, Mm -hmm. and you know that acute care also is in Highland and, and Alameda and San Leandro, really just helps understand we provide acute care at, at all of these services. Right. Is, yep. is that getting to where you... Yeah. Okay. You got okay. it. Thank you. Yeah, and I, I'd like to
2: add that as we are moving, you know, this really is that integrated thing that you know we want to see and the granularity will come by the mm-hmm. different campus locations. But for us to know, oh, that's how much... Is an ambulatory like across yeah. the system? So suddenly, right. it's completely reorienting one to be thinking about it ourselves as a system. So as your mm-hmm. that board education session with mm-hmm. your revised metrics would be just terrific because I can just see like this reporting gets into my brain way better
4: yes. than the yes. other
1: yes. one. Mine too. Okay.
0: Yeah.
4: am well, hoping it works for us too. <laughs> okay. That's All the right. plan, anyway. Okay. Yeah.
1: So work to be done. Uh, now, Jim, correct. we're going to talk about enhanced reporting. So as I mentioned, currently we're working on respreading all the uh, things like contractuals and professional revenue, et cetera. Um, the, um, uh, we're getting these individual reports together so that managers can have them, and see their operations. Uh, we are looking at revising the metrics for each of these areas. So they've got to be tailored to their specific line of business. And they're really different between business units, you know, professional... Uh, we need to be reporting on encounters and work RVUs. Mm-hmm. That's very different from patient days and acute care. Mm-hmm. And it's different from a, a SNF day, a skilled nursing day, or an ambulatory visit. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mentioned we're working on the monthly variance review process. Uh, hope to have that done in the next week or so. Uh, it'll be done well before we come back to report to you next time. And then Jim mentioned uh, the need to to look at sort of the non-financial things, culture of accountability. Uh, we're talking about that internally. Um, <clears throat> one thought I have is that you know, in, the, in a typical performance management system, there'll be um, system objectives which are financial and quality and other things. But often there's um, individual strategic objectives that managers and directors and above are assigned. And one way of determining accountability is you know how my, how many of those actually get done uh, each year. And, uh, that's one thing we talked about. We're, but we're we're still engaged in that dialogue. Okay, um, let's see, uh, Jim. I'm actually done with the report. I'm I'm up to the uh, committee planning
0: calendar. Um, are there okay? Other... Um, wow, we're we're moving along real quick here. I hope no one was betting on a late meeting. Um,
3: we have a babysitting issue. We've got to get
0: yeah. to yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> let's see. I, I I didn't hear that. Whatever. <laughs> it's probably better. But I didn't. Um, let's see. Well. Um, so we're going to take a break and then September um, good we're going to get back into doing uh, retrospective reviews. I really think that's useful and important and interesting and we're going to hear we're going to hear some education on contracting and I'm really looking forward to that really looking forward to that um, then we have a first quarter review good. Um, um, Michelle, can Kenny, do you have anything to um, add or request in terms of stuff that we hear in the balance of the year?
3: No. Nothing comes to mind at the moment, Jim, but I will give it some thought. Thank you.
0: Okay. All right. Um, Dave, I do think, um, well, let's see, by the time we have a September meeting, um, you'll, you'll have a better idea of uh, kind of enhanced reporting to the committee and to the board
1: obviously. Um, yeah, ab- absolutely.
0: Good. And then for the first quarter review, were you planning to do a um, a forecast? Um,
1: <clears throat> no, I, th- I, I guess I could, but the, usually at the first quarter review, we simply come in and talk about the, uh, the key variances to what we thought was going to happen in the budget. Um, I think it'd be appropriate on the Next meeting in November, when we have the preliminary plan to put together a forecast yeah. for the year, and then
0: think, think about doing. I mean, it doesn't have to be detailed, but just kind of a high level. Um, I mean, I mean, we haven't done a forecast at all. Maybe we should try to do like at least some yeah. high level. I, I thing. could.
1: Yeah, I, I could do a forecast.
3: Well, one of the hard. things that might also be interesting for is for us to on the on the capital projects is to see some kind uh, yeah. of overview plan of when you anticipate yeah. certain major things occurring in the capital. Um, yeah. And that would help us to know yeah. that these projects that you've invested in are, in fact, meeting their timeline mm-hmm. and moving along. So that would be, a, I think, a good thing for us to see. That's
1: yeah. excellent. Yeah, that's great. Good idea. Yeah. Excellent. Okay. Got that.
0: Um. <laughs> Anything else? No. Nope. Okay. Well, um, um, let's see. Back to the agenda. So we've done committee planning. Um, the health committee agenda. <coughs>
1: uh, again, that'll be in August, they've indicated. So. Uh, The next report to the County uh, Health Committee would be in August.
0: Okay. All right. Let's see. Well, then I think we are at the...
4: Right. Jim, sorry. Uh, just a uh, clarification, uh, the, the uh, supervisors also have in August recess, so uh, likely September. Um, we do just uh, to also uh, point out, we will be discussing uh, behavioral health in uh, conjunction with, um, with the uh, behavioral health care services uh, in, in Monday's health committee meeting. But, but that, will, that will be the only thing uh, that we'll, we plan to discuss at that meeting. Okay. Thank you. Sure. Thank you, David.
0: Okay. Well, we're at the most important point of the meeting. Are there, Suzanne? Are there any requests for public comment?
2: No, not today.
0: Okay. That's unfortunate. Um, any other trustee comments?
2: No, not from me.
3: Not for me. Thank you.
0: Well, then, why don't we adjourn this meeting? <laughs> I'm all in favor. Okay. So adjourned. Thank you, everybody, very much.